Hello and welcome to the After Credibles, the weekly movie discussion podcast where the least credible people you know discuss everything in the world of cinema. My name is Charlie Rogers and today on the show we have Alex Conway and Nick Allen. Thanks to both of you for coming on the show. Hey mate. Hey man, how you doing? So today we'll be having a quick gloss over some news that's caught our eye and then we'll dive into the discussion and review of Ready Player One. Well, I might start off with news, and one thing that really caught my eye this week was Netflix is planning to buy movie theatres in hope of scoring some Academy Awards. And the reason I thought that was interesting was because... Okay, so it turns out Netflix has been having issues getting awards recognition because of prejudice against streaming TV shows and, and movies. Apparently, last year, the Cannes Film Festival allowed Netflix films to be showed, but then chose to ban them from the awards ceremony so netflix pulled all their films from the festival altogether so i don't know i reckon that's a pretty strange thing what do you guys think about that yeah i mean obviously it's a seems like it's a bit of an archaic uh system they've got um but i mean i think the whole world's still catching up to the idea of streaming and the legitimacy of of that um so probably just a matter of time i'd say before uh, you know institutions like can't allow that kind of thing but yeah i guess it just takes time it's really weird to me like i i i guess i shouldn't be so surprised that the old guards are kind of annoyed at i, I guess that the, the cheap kind of look of or, or or um or prejudice about streaming platforms but i find that really strange i mean they're pumping the money into them they're making arguably pretty good movies so i don't know i find that really weird they're just snooty frenchmen Oh, they are. Yeah, they're <laughs> too snobby. Uh, um, another one I have, this is going to be my last one, but um, I want, I want, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to tell you the news. Yeah. I'm going to tell you what the news piece is, and then I'm going to ask you a question about it, some trivia. So Rampage, the movie, uh, it has become the most critically successful video game movie of all time. <laughs> this is according to their Metacritic score. And The Rock has tweeted... Well, it's not that hard. Yeah. And The Rock has tweeted in response, saying that we might have finally broken the video game curse in Hollywood. Good news, right, guys? No. No? No. Well, I hadn't heard that, but I don't know anything about it. Can you give me a quick synopsis? So Rampage is a movie about three like Godzilla-style monsters breaking uh, the city. And it's based on a game where you are one of three monsters breaking the city. <laughs> so it was a fun, great game. Like it's an 8-bit or 16-bit game. It's an old school one from the 80s. But um, yeah. apparently it's done well. Rock's on a pretty a bit of a roll right now. So I don't know. Yeah, I think The Rock does well. I don't think it's about the game or about the movie. I think it's people want to go see The Rock punch stuff. You are right. And blue stuff. <laughs> so here's my question, guys. I have some. I have some. Uh, I have some trivia for you. What is the Metacritic score of this Rampage movie that has propelled it to the top of the video game movie's quality list? Oh God. Okay. I'm gonna think of the last good video game movie, which was God, like Mortal Kombat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that was quite a while ago. No, I'm gonna. I'm gonna say about eighty percent. 80%. Nick, how about you? Yeah, it can't be it can't be too high. I, yeah, I'll say I'll say 85. All right, good. Yeah, those are pretty good guesses. It's pretty high. The <laughs> the score that Rampage was sitting on to claim the title was 51%. Fuck me. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, right. Okay. Like, don't set the bar too high, boys. Yeah. <laughs> that is a really low bar to beat. So, there's my little tidbit of news. <laughs> that is ridiculous. 
Let that make you reflect on every single video game movie that we have had so far that has just uh, essentially performed dismally. Have you liked any video game movies that have come out? I mean, I, I loved Mortal Kombat, like you said. I thought that was a great one. We all watched that together and really enjoyed it. I n- never got around to Doom, like The Rock's last video game movie. Okay, I've got a list of video game movies on Wikipedia. I'll always have a soft spot uh, for like the Super Mario Brothers movie, like even uh, though it's horrible <laughs> and everybody was on cocaine and they were doing it. And everything went wrong in that movie too. So you can kind of forgive it, you know? They were breaking new yeah. ground with that video game movie. But as a kid, you love the movie. It's great. Oh, yeah. It's insane. Oh, yeah. So, um, well, it, may, it really makes you reflect back on, say, the Warcraft movie and the Assassin's Creed movie that only came out a couple of years ago and they just weren't able to crack yeah. it remotely. Obviously, it's, 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 it's a real yeah. shame. Oh, Resident Evil. Oh. That was great. Oh, I could, uh, yeah, the first awful. one was good. The first one was good. The first one was a bit more grounded in in normality, that's for sure. Like, it wasn't anything to write home about, but it was, like, not shit, which puts it automatically at the top of the list, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Apparently so. (laughs) Oh, Silent Hill. Silent Hill was good. Oh, I never got around to that. I liked it. I really... I've watched it a couple times. Yeah, I never got that one. I, I liked it, but I think... I don't think it did very well. I think one of the problems is... I mean, when you're trying to translate what makes a video game good, it's it's difficult, right? Like, a, what what makes a video game an endearing story often is um, behind about a ten or eleven hour campaign, and that's you know that's difficult. Yeah, and you're doing it. You're like, you're physically engaged in mm-hmm. the game, mm-hmm. and you're doing stuff. So you make the decisions, not you're just sitting back, stuffing your face with popcorn for two hours hour and a half yeah exactly so it's it is it is a hugely different experience and i think it just goes to show that it's it's harder it's really hard to translate what makes you enjoy a video game and the experience of enjoying a video game and turning it into movie form it's just it's not very easy to compare evidently yeah Mm. true 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 so um any news that's come over this week that's got you interested so um, i don't know if you guys heard that uh colin trevorrow's being brought back onto direct Jurassic World three, and who is who is Colin? Tra- who's he? Director of the first one. Oh, yeah. Oh, the first Jurassic, Jurassic World. World. Yeah. Okay. And what's your thoughts? What are your thoughts on that? Well, um, mixed opinion, but um, mm-hmm. I, I think it's interesting that uh, Trevorrow was um, signed on to direct the th- episode nine, Star Wars episode nine. Yeah. Uh, but was booted off it because of, I guess, creative differences. But he's been brought back on to direct the third in the Jurassic trilogy. It's like he went from just this like indie film director to suddenly like bouncing between like the two of the biggest franchises mm. ever. Yeah, that yeah. is strange. Um, it's interesting that he's he was booted up, you know, they, they didn't trust him with rounding out the, th- the third in the new Star Wars trilogy, but clearly Universal trusted him. He had him a, to... a massive bomb. Like after Jurassic World, he did some crappy terrible movie with one of the kids from um the it movie oh okay and it bombed and got horrible like reviews interesting and i think everybody was just like oh this guy isn't as hot as everybody was hoping he was and it looks like a mess of a movie it seems like a safe option to me I guess it depends what you want from a franchise. Like, actually, one of the other pieces of news is kind of tied into this, and it's that they've um, the new Star Trek Four 
uh, movie is going to be directed by a lady for the first time in Star Trek's film history. And oh. it's interesting to know that between that and the Quentin Tarantino Star Trek movie that will be Star Trek V, we all believe, um, you know, there are some there are some franchises that kind of are willing to to give someone new a go. Yeah, like Mission Impossible franchise for example and then there are others where you just want to keep it keep it going solid well he was a he seemed like a massive risk for the first jurassic world oh. um because he he sort of came out of nowhere he just happens to have sort of exploded and seems to be this like go-to director for blockbusters now even though he was taken off star wars but mm. um so he's i think in a way he's a safe bet um, and to be honest, I, I would have liked to have seen either Spielberg come back and do it or someone totally different. Mm. But I might not be saying that after watching Fallen Kingdom because they've got another relatively unknown mm. director. I mean, he's, he's done a few big movies like The Impossible and um, a, c- a couple of big Spanish movies, but Spanish language movies. But yeah, I think it's going to be great. But, but I, I'll reserve my judgment till I've seen the movie. But, you know. Alex, any news on your end? TV-wise, or TV movie-wise, like, um, Bruce Campbell's not coming back for any more Ash. They've cancelled Ash vs. Evil Dead. Mm. And he's officially retired his post as the famous and immortal Ash Williams. He's hung up his chainsaw hand. I'm I'm really glad you brought this, this up, Alex. I mean, I just feel like, as fans of, of Evil Dead, like, we're so lucky to have got three full seasons of this show like I, I every every episode i watch of it i have to pinch myself and just think i can't believe they actually made a, a like relatively high budget uh f- like se- not only one series but three seasons of this thing and its quality has remained pretty high um and it's so so true to the movies it's um yeah i think I, all you can say really is you got to be happy with what we got yeah, I think I think it was a it was a bittersweet compromise between never having a a big movie ever again on the sa- same scale as Evil Dead Two or Army of Darkness, uh, and not having anything. If I had to pick between, you know, a, a proper Evil Dead Four and the series that we got, I'd take the series. I mean, it's just so there's so much more to it, it's so in depth. You get so many more one liners. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, it would have been nice to like for it to culminate in a in a movie, and I think the idea for the remake an original series crossover movie would have been really interesting yeah but i agree i think i think the i think the show um i couldn't have been happier with it i honestly don't think it could have been any better in terms of you know how true it was to the originals and getting the you know getting bruce campbell back and sam Sam raimi did did they just executive produce or uh, did he just executive produce or did he write it i think he helped write it or and he, I think he may have directed the first episode. Like, yeah, right. Thanks for the news, guys. And now it's time for our review of Ready Player One. Sitting here in my tiny corner of nowhere, there's nowhere left to go. Nowhere. Except the Oasis. The year is 2045, and in a dystopian future, 
Everyone foregoes any ambition or goals in reality and instead spends their time in the Oasis, a virtual reality-based world where anyone can play games and earn loot and also escape their dismal real lives. The movie follows Wade Watts, a gunter, which is slang for an egg hunter, and the gunters spend their time looking for the hidden easter egg, a secret item that's somewhere within the Oasis that for whoever finds it, will grant ownership of the oasis and the fortune behind it. No one knows how to unlock the three tokens to find the egg, and Wade spends the movie finding them with his friends while being chased by his main competitor in the hunt, a corporation called Innovative Online Industries, who are hell-bent on securing the fortune for themselves. The movie strives to celebrate a love of popular culture, the virtues of reality, friendship, and gaming for the sake of gaming, not just winning. I'll start off quickly by saying, I mean, it's definitely an interesting CGI extravaganza, and there were plenty of fun action sequences within the movie, but guys, quickly, what did you think of it? It is a movie which pretty much tells you when the first act is finished, the second act is finished, and now we're into the third act, and it's all separated by set pieces, and it's really generic. But it's, it's, if you want a popcorn movie, it's fine. Yeah, I mean, I, I I mirror the sentiment, but I think I'd go a step further. And, I mean, I, yeah, I didn't enjoy it at all. I, I would go as far as to say that I kind of hated it. I walked out of the cinema sort of feeling like that had been a waste of time and money. Um, I, I don't know if maybe the reason I feel that way about it is because... So I read half the book. I didn't finish the book um, because um, I didn't think it was that... I mean, it wasn't really for me. I didn't think the writing was that compelling. Um, but I also figured, well, I know there's a movie coming out. At the least I can do is sort of keep the ending a surprise. Maybe that would, you know, make the experience of seeing the movie better. Um, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, generic, definitely. And I, I just thought, I mean, basically every aspect of it I thought was pretty lackluster. The cast was all really uninspired like even even people like simon Pegg, you know who played a pretty small part but like he just seemed so disinterested in it um and the two leads ty sheridan and olivia cook i think um had no chemistry and um but but also both i just yeah didn't feel invested in either of them and even ben mendelson who like i think almost carries some of the movies that he's in um he it, he wasn't enough. He, I think he was the best on the cast, but uh, but still, like you know, as far as his acting goes, I thought he like even that was kind of disappointing as well. Um, but I, I think I was I would say mostly the script. I just think, yeah, I mean, Alex is right. It's by the numbers and it spells everything out for you. The references were in the the references in the book were a little cringe. It's meant to be a bit campy. But I think the movie just took it to another level. Um, and also, the references that they, should, that they changed because they clearly didn't have the rights to certain things, um, I thought it suffered because of that. And But overall, and this is probably the big one for me, um, the, the way the Oasis looked to me was um, way different to what I was expecting. When I read the book, I kind of assumed... In my mind, I was picturing the Oasis as basically indistinguishable from reality which i think virtual reality should be like at least getting to that level and if we're talking about something that takes place 30 years in the future um i think it should be fairly close to being indistinguishable from reality instead what you get is this really video game cgi looking world 
um, which is cl- clearly just the style choice they went for because it would have been a lot. I mean, they couldn't have done the same things, but I, I think you could have made this movie and kept the VR world fairly realistic looking and not gone for that video game CGI look. You would have obviously had to have used some CGI, but um, it looked like... the Well, half the movie looked like a cutscene from a video game and I, I just really didn't dig it and, and I, I didn't like the way the two main characters looked within the game. Um, I found it really distracting. Yeah, look, I, I, I echo most. I, I echo those sentiments. I really thought the movie was just okay, and and it, which is really weird to me. And it left me really feeling really strange after I watched it because everything that was in there is stuff that I think should have resonated with me. Like, there's a lot of pop culture stuff. There's all the you know a lot of the best things from the '80s. That I mean, I, I'm I'm not an '80s child, but I thought I would those things would resonate with me. And um, like the celebration of gamer culture, the interesting elements of virtual reality, which are just becoming in some ways uh, a real thing. You know, this year and in the last couple of years, I thought that kind of stuff would interest me. But it seemed. It seems like it was jumping between all these concepts so quickly that the world building was so shallow that, I don't know, it just didn't feel like there was much soul to the movie at all. And, and, and because of that, so much of the movie just ended up being like a people doing things kind of movie. Like there's never really much reflection on why they're doing these things. It's, there's just them doing it and running to this, this goal of, you know, getting all the tokens and finishing it, which is ironic because so many of the messages about well, the best thing about gaming is doing it your way. And that just was also strange to me. Yeah. You have to follow these rules. You have to do it this certain way to win this prize. When in most sandbox games, you can do it any particular way you can. As long as you get to the final goal. Yep. Now let, let's let's do a positive, guys. I don't know about you, but I really liked the shining sequence in it. Like the sequence where they go into the Overlook Hotel and 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 go through all these kooky kind of reimaginings of of the eighties classic. And 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 the CGI in it is really indistinguishable from from the original movie, which just made it something really interesting. Yeah, yeah, and and that was great. That's that's the way the rest of the movie should have looked. Um, that was a great scene. But even that was kind of. Um spoiled a little bit for me because i think the scene in the book was a lot stronger yeah i really like the scene in the book where they they have to yeah they have to they have to recite line for line um the correct dialogue uh, in the correct order from the movie uh is it war game yeah war games um and so they basically have to play the parts of of the of the main characters in war games and it was a i think it was just a way better concept rather than just oh now you're in the shining world and just a bunch of random crap's gonna happen <laughs> to you but you happen to be in the shining world yeah okay um, oh, fair enough fair enough it, it was a it was just a little like oh here's a cool setting and but it just seemed like they kind of uh, it was a bit of a missed opportunity and i think the scene in the book was way better um but i don't want to be one of those people's like oh the book was so much better because i didn't think the book was that good of what I read of it. It's probably unfair of me to judge the book only having read half of it. But Now, Alex, you have read the book. So what, what were your thoughts on that? Um, yes, the war game scene is a lot better in the book just because it's ridiculous and sounds like a lot of fun reciting like your favorite movie line for line and getting points for it. Let's not take the book as like amazing literature. It's a young adult novel at best and it's cheesy, but it's kind of fun, like a trash novel, but it's fun. Yeah, there's a few different changes, but geez, it's been like a couple of years since I've read it. And yeah, it's a trash novel, <laughs> but it's fine. Similar to what you said, Nick, um, relating to all these like intellectual properties 
and references that they're able to accrue and, and, and dish out during the duration of the movie. I, I agree with you. I feel like there was something just barely there about the references and they almost feel like, it almost felt like they thought just having them there would be enough and not really, even even hinting at the things that made those things so memorable to us in the first place. And that's what that's what's kind of actually, I think it took me three weeks after watching this movie to realize why I had such a bad taste in my mouth after watching it. I don't know why, but for some reason, the idea of like pop culture fandom and celebrating pop culture fandom, just being a guy who's only investing his time into researching this pop culture stuff because he wants to win a game. It, it, that's not what fandom is. And that's not what enjoying something is. You're not just doing it because there's a guy who loved it first and you need to emulate this guy's life to win a game. It's about actually liking the things. And there was no hint in the movie that he actually liked the things that he knew so much about. That's a really good point. Yeah. Maybe that's why it lacked a little a little bit of soul because the main character is utterly unconvincing in his motives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like, so one example for me was The Iron Giant. I mean, firstly, The Iron Giant wasn't even made in the 80s. It was made in, I think, the year 2000. But the other thing is like... Yeah, well, the same goes with the T-Rex. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like, and, and these are things where, like, The Iron Giant is, is a, it's a memorable movie and it's one of my favorite childhood ones, but it nothing when they bring the iron giant out in the final battle there's nothing that he does that actually emulated what the what made the iron giant special in the movie he doesn't like regenerate he doesn't talk he doesn't respond to threats with with an interesting and creepy kind of death machine uh, transformation he just became a giant metal robot with with like laser eyes he just shoots yeah and that's that's about as generic as you can get for a, a giant robot and that was a huge disappointment for me well, I think this kind of um, uh, echoes sort of what I was, my, my next point, which was going to be, um, I, I feel like there was like a fundamental mishandling of uh, the concept of VR as a, as a technology um, in a similar way to the mishandling of the Iron Giant, which it was just sort of shoehorned in there as a plot device. Well, not even really as a plot device, but you know what I mean? But the... The VR in it, I think it it really seemed like it was portrayed um, by someone who is has no experience with VR. Yeah. Um, and 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 that that makes me ask the question. I don't know if you guys think this, but do you think um, Steven Spielberg was the wrong director for this movie? I think they could have got somebody who, you know, what the guy who did the Tron movie probably could have handled it a lot better and a lot a lot more subtly. There were there were a few pieces of good Spielbergian humor in it that I kind of liked, like the bit where he's about to he he gets revealed the switch, um, to destroy the Oasis, and in the real world he gets knocked off his feet and almost presses it, like things like that that I thought were kind of funny. That I don't know they they did give me a bit of a feeling that Spielberg I don't know. Having said that, I don't know whether it's Spielberg's fault or the fact that like there are pitfalls with um <laughs> there are pitfalls with making a game celebrating gamer culture and gaming when you obviously either don't know about gaming culture or gaming or just don't care to emulate it in an accurate way but some you're right something there was definitely missing do you think um, steven spielberg tried online gaming <laughs> if he did there'd be a lot more swear words and a lot more idiocy in the movie a lot more 14 year olds calling each other the n-word it would just be a horrible place <laughs> yeah i just don't see it some yeah and some of the things that make multi um you know multiplayer online gaming the the amazing spectacle that it is is the sheer scale and 
that's why it was kind of disappointing for him to do some rousing speech to get all the impoverished people of the Oasis to rise against the evil corporation and then to have it just look like a Lord of the Rings battle. Like, there should have been 10 million people fighting in that battle. Like, I would have loved to have seen something that truly did celebrate the the, the absolute scale of what people do in games. But, okay, here's something to wrap up with. How would have you guys made that movie better? Because I've had an idea that's been floating around in my head, just like a little bit better, but not heaps better, is the inclusion of like little Star Wars things. You know, at the end battle, when all everybody starts running over the horizon and coming towards them, if you saw like an ATST coming over or like a Star Destroyer just coming in from the distance, it'll be like, oh, that's cool. That would have looked kind of cool. Like just tiny little hints at things. Yep. I th- I, 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 yeah, I agree. I think I think for a movie that had all these pop culture zingy kind of references, it was a little bit underwhelming how many actual pop culture references they had. I, I do agree with that. The two things I would have done that I thought when I was watching the movie was I think they could have eat, they could have made the core of the movie based around set pieces like The Shining, clever and you know kind of good little references that just end up in funny escapades. I thought that could have been good. They could have had two more scenes like The Shining and I think it would have been a better movie. The other thing I think I would have done was the the action sequences in the Oasis, like the car chase and all those um and the fighting scenes, they were so over the top and you know, fast-paced and pretty fun. It just made all it just made everything that was happening in reality really pedestrian and boring and like why am I even watching this stupid car chase like with real cars? Like mm. and I, I think there's something very meta there to be to be said about how how I was so over what was actually happening in the movie because it just seems so crap by comparison. It was the dullest car chase I've seen for a while. It was, and it was and, and, and so much of it didn't make sense. Like if everyone's playing VR and fighting in the street, why does he have to be in a van to complete his mission in VR? Why couldn't he just be in a pothole hiding from the drones that were trying to find him out? Like it none of it I don't know, it was all a bit weird to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean I think it should have stuck uh, and obviously this is not something that was necessarily possible, but if it had stuck closer to the source material, I think it maybe would have benefited. And yeah, I think I would have liked to have seen a different director take it. I think someone who's working on the cutting edge of a VR, um, someone who's maybe directed a VR game or some kind of VR experience. I think that that would have been a lot more interesting um, because I think, yeah, given its subject matter, it sort of missed the... I felt like it missed the mark a bit. Yeah, and look, I didn't think we'd spend our first review of this entire podcast trashing a Steven Spielberg movie, but um, look, no disrespect to the man. He has made some fantastic movies, but... I think we can all agree. I, I've watched 10 movies that are better than that from Steven Spielberg, and I've watched 15 that are less forgettable. I've watched 10 movies that are better than that this year. I mean, yeah. And Spielberg made my favorite movie of all time. I don't know if I've talked to you guys about Jurassic Park, but... um, No, I thought you were going to say Schindler's List. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Look, he's he's had better days. And look, he's hit and miss. All of our favorite directors are hit and miss. Ridley Scott, James Cameron... They do some good and they do some bad. So let's just call this what it is. Yeah, it's true. A bit of a miss. Okay, (laughs) done. Well, thank you for that review. That's all we have time for today. Thank you for listening to The After Credibles, your least credible movie discussion podcast. And thank you to our presenters, Alex Conway and Nick Allen. Yeah, thanks. We hope you liked the show. If you did, don't forget to subscribe to us. We are on Apple Podcasts, the Google Play Store, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. 
please rate and review us and be sure to come back soon, because next episode, Earth's Mightiest Heroes will be getting reviewed by Earth's Least Credible. That's right, we will be tackling Avengers Infinity War with a roundtable discussion and plenty of feedback on this tremendously hyped movie. I'm Charlie Rogers, and thank you for listening to The After Credibles.